welcome to the Word of God. I'm Father Reen. We begin a new year. No, it's not January the 1st, but it is a new year in our liturgical calendar. Now, the way liturgical calendars work, that is, those denominations that follow a liturgical calendar, that would be Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, Episcopalian, Lutheran, and others, they follow a liturgical calendar, and that liturgical calendar begins on the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. Now, what's the first Sunday of Advent? That is the first of four Sundays that precede Christmas Day. Christmas Day is known as the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the technical term. Christmas Day, the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Advent begins usually at the end of November, the last Sunday in November, or the first Sunday of December, depending where Christmas Day is located. There are three years in Advent to proper 29, which we completed last week, year A, year B, year C, for Sunday lectionary readings, which we post on our website regularly. For the daily lectionary, which we've been following in the Book of Common Prayer, there is year one and year two. We completed last week year one with proper 29. We begin year two with Advent one. Now, Advent is a liturgical season followed by Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and we've been in Pentecost for about half the year. And we conclude with proper 29, which is Christ the King Sunday. Now we turn to Advent 1, and so we will be looking at Advent 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now Advent 1, again, has three scriptures, three main headings, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel. If you recall from last week, we were in Matthew 20. And so we begin with Matthew 21 in year two. But the Old Testament and the New Testament change. We will be looking at Amos. Who's Amos? I'll tell you about that in a second. And 1 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, and Jude. Basically looking at 2 Peter and Jude. So, this is a wonderful way to begin your year, as it were, in November or December with Advent. Now, Advent, what does it mean? Advent means coming in Latin. So we are waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ into the world as a baby, the Incarnation. The Incarnation is about the divine Son of God. Remember, in the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he has been a divine being with no birth, with no beginning. He's always been with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now we're celebrating at Christmas Day his incarnation, where the divine being becomes flesh. Okay. And in Advent, for four weeks, we are preparing for his coming so that when he comes, we can hear him, we can listen, we can pay attention, we can be alert, we can be sober-minded, we can be aware. All right. In our lectionary, we want to have that as a backdrop. In our lectionary, lectionary readings for four weeks, our backdrop is we are waiting for the coming of the Lord. We want to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus. So our first reading is in Amos, chapter 1, then we look at chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and, and I'll try to highlight a couple of things for you. Go to Amos chapter 1, which is after Hosea. Now, Hosea to Malachi make up 12 minor prophets. The major prophets are specifically Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Isaiah has 66 chapters, Jeremiah has 52, and Ezekiel has 48. There's also Daniel, which has 12. So Daniel is not included in the minor prophets as, and is included in the major ones, but there's a big difference between 66, 52, and 48 chapters rather than 12. But he's a major prophet. Amos is a shepherd, verse 1 of chapter 1, and he lived when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam son of Joash, was king of Israel. Now remember, if you recall, when we were looking at kings, we have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, and the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. Now Judah has only two of the 12 tribes, and Israel has 10 of the 12 tribes. So before the Assyrians took Israel into captivity, 721, Amos was prophesied. So the time frame had to be prior to 721 BC. And Amos is prophesying during the years of Uzziah and Jeroboam. All right, so what you want to do is read this. Now, there's a lot of judgment in Amos. And one of the things that you find in Advent, particularly the first week of Advent in the Sunday readings, there's a lot of judgment. So in proper 29, we saw the kingship of Jesus Christ. As we begin proper uh, Advent 1, I'm sorry, as we begin Advent 1 in a new season, we'll see the judgment of Christ as he prepares to come and set up his kingdom. That's normally what Advent 1 is about. And so that's why we're going to look at 2 Peter and, and see that motif. All right, uh, let's work through uh, Amos uh, fairly quickly. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 4. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. There's the wrath again. Because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees, because they have been led astray by false gods the gods their ancestors followed. I will send fire upon Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Now, how do you get yourself in trouble before God? By rejecting his law and not keeping his decrees and being led, therefore, by false gods. So if you reject the Lord and you don't do what he says, 
you are going, you and I will be led astray by false idols, false gods, because we will worship something. We will put our hope and faith in something. Beautiful scripture right there. He also has a judgment of Israel in verse 7. They trample on the heads of the poor and upon the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. So what he's going to share with us is the injustice that he finds in Israel. So there's judgment upon the surrounding nations. There's judgment on the people of Israel. Why is there judgment? Because the people are not following the words of the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 2. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you from all your sins. So when you and I sin against the Lord, we are going to have problems for our sin if we do not repent and turn and follow the Lord. There will be judgment for those, for those acts of wickedness. Israel is not returned to God in chapter 4, first several verses. God begs us to come back to him, to follow him, so that he will not have to execute judgment, but unfortunately, we do not do that. When we do that, good things happen. Forgiveness comes, restoration comes, but when we don't do that, then there is judgment. Look at verse 9 of chapter 4. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me. You've lost your olive tree, you've lost your fig tree, you don't have enough food, yet you're not returning to the Lord. So one of the key themes of judgment is that God will bring people to their knees in the hopes that they will turn to God, realizing their tremendous need for him. And sometimes even then people do not return to the Lord. So believe the truth and be saved. Second Thessalonians 1 tell, 2 tells us. Believe, uh, verse 10 I believe it is, believe in the truth and be saved. Believe in the Lord and be saved. Don't be obstinate. Verse 13 of chapter 4. He who forms the mountains creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. He who turns dawn to darkness and treads the high places of the earth, the Lord, the Almighty, is his name. He is the great one. He is the mighty one. Listen to him. This theme resounds throughout the Bible. Chapter 5, there's a lament over Israel. The Lord is sad for what they've done and what he's doing to them. He says to them in verse 4 of chapter 5, seek me and live. It's another simple way to, to let you know today as you are listening to this podcast. Seek me and live. You'll also notice in the podcast that I've listed the scriptures for you so that you can see what you should be reading from day to day. You trample on the poor, verse 11. I know how many of your offenses are. I know how great your sins are. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Seek the good. Go after the good. Do not go after evil. Hate evil, love good, verse 15. Amos is very good. I hope you enjoy it. It's not a book that's read by many people, but this is why the lectionary series is so important. This is so wonderful that you've joined me weekly, is that I just want to encourage you to be reading beautiful scriptures that will bless your life. See good, not evil. Hate evil, love good. That's a great prescription for living well. That's a great prescription. Finally, woe to those who long for the day of the Lord. The darkness will be, the day will be darkness, not light. Chapter 5, verse 18. So the day of the Lord is going to come. 
You want to be ready for the day of the Lord. Very famous scripture, one more, verse 24, chapter 5. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Many people quote that verse often when there's injustice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 through 11 is a great scripture about preparing for the coming of the Lord. Remember I spoke about that. It's an Advent 1 theme. You know verse 2 very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So then he tells us how he wants us to live. This is very important scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. How he wants us to live and getting ready for the day of the Lord, getting ready for the coming of the Lord, getting ready for the day when Christ comes to set up his kingdom. 2 Peter. So let's look at 2 Peter and Jude right now. 2 Peter is after Hebrews and after James. It's at the end of your Bible and, of course, after 1 Peter. This is, of course, Peter the Apostle. And we'll be working through 2 Peter 1, 2, and 3. So I want to just highlight a few verses for you and then go to Jude. His divine power, chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything that you need, you've got in Christ. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By His own glory and goodness. He has called us and He's given everything that we need through the knowledge of Him. Through these, verse 4, He has given us His great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. You've got great promises. You participate in your life in Christ, and you escape the corruption of the world, which has evil desires. You can't beat that. The key is seek the good and live. Hate evil and do good. Back to Amos. Be children of the light, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Don't be a child of the darkness. And so 2 Peter tells us the same thing. This is a good week of scriptures, folks. He continues on about scripture. I love this verse 20 and 21 of chapter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this text, this holy Bible, these holy words are a product of people being carried away by the Holy Spirit who gives them through their personalities and their knowledge and the inspiration of God, the scriptures that are given to us that are the will of God as people are carried by the Holy Spirit. The origin is not the will of man. It's not the will of the individual and their own thoughts and ramifications and their own pro thought process. It's God's directing it. So we can t trust the scriptures. Let's go to chapter 3. We skip chapter 2. Chapter 2 is about false teachers and their destruction and what happens in false teaching, just in case you were interested. It might be something you want to read. The day of the Lord. Remember that? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Verse 9. As some understand slowness, slowness. His pa he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repent. Do not wait. Do not tarry. Do not linger. 
listen to the Lord, follow him, repent of your sins. He is patient with you. He does not want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. The heavens will disappear, verse 10, with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and the everything in it will be laid bare. So what you, should you do? Live, verse uh, 11, live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. You see the theme throughout this sharing with you today in Advent 1? Seek the good. Run away from evil. Do the will of God. Listen to the will of God. Be sons of light. Do not be a child of the darkness. Seek to live your life in Christ. Live a holy and godly life. Okay? All right. Jude chapter 1. The rest of 2 Peter is just beautiful. Jude. Now, Jude is the last book before Revelation, and of course, Revelation is the last book. Now, Jude only has one chapter, and we believe this is a half-brother of Jesus again. There's a couple of scriptures, Jude is pretty short, that I want to bring to you. There's judgment in the first half that you may want to read about as you're reading this on um, Friday and Saturday. Verse 20 in a positive note. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in the faith. Build yourself in the faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Beautiful lines from Jude. So, so far we've looked at Amos, 2 Peter, 1 Thessalonians 5, and Jude. Now these are not like Romans, Ephesians, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah. These are pretty more obscure texts. But read them through, particularly if you've not read them before. And I hope you enjoy them. Matthew 21 might be a little bit more familiar to you. Again, we are looking at the end of Jesus' journey, three-year journey, and we begin in chapter 21 with his triumphal entry. He's come from Jericho, and he is going to Jerusalem, and he knows he's going to die there. Okay? And we have what we call in the liturgical church Palm Sunday. And so there's about a week there that he stays in town until he is crucified. He's at the temple, and this is where he clears the temple in chapter 21, 12 to 17, a very strong indictment against the people. And then he has this beautiful image of the fig tree withering. He says, I tell you the truth, in verse 21, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So again, we have a miracle here and then we have a teaching. The authority of Jesus is questioned because now he's hanging out with, uh, in the temple courts and they're asking him, what, by, by what authority are you doing these things? 
One of my favorite parables, one of my favorite short parables, is the parable of the two sons in 28 to 32. And it's a parable about obedience, and I hope you enjoy it. It's a very simple parable, very profound. And then he has the parable of the tenants, which is a foreshadowing of his death and the fact that the landowner who planted a vineyard, this is, of course, God, and his servants, um, they, the tenants, uh, were supposed to take care of everything. They seized the servants, they killed them, and then the tenant sent the son, this is the heir, let's kill him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, verse 40, what will he do to those tenants? And he will bring them to a wretched end. And of course, that's what happened in 66 to 70 when Israel was taken into captivity by the Romans, destroyed the temple, and serious damage was done in Israel as a result of their response to Christ. He encourages us on verse 44. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. So fall on Jesus, folks. Don't let, it, don't let him fall on you. Finally, in chapter 22, we have the parable of the wedding banquet. He is teaching. He's in his last week. He's making some final comments. And he's talking about being invited into the kingdom of God. And then finally, the wonderful text about Caesar. Caesar, of course, was the emperor, and he was a very powerful person. And is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus, knowing their evil intent, verse 18 said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin. Whose portrait is this? Whose inscription? Caesar. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God's what is God's. Or as it says in the beautiful King James, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In essence, in this first week, give God what is his, and you'll be just fine. But when we don't give God what is his, and we withhold from God, and we build up idols, Amos, and we do things that we shouldn't do, false teachers, 2 Peter chapter 2, then we come with many problems. I pray that you'll have a blessed Advent. I pray that as we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, it will be a wonderful time of preparation and prayer. This is also a great way to invigorate your spiritual life and you nourish your spiritual life by beginning on Advent with these great scriptures. May God bless you abundantly. And we'll see you next week for Advent 2.